0: Welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Hi, Mind Bloomers. (laughs) Welcome to episode number 60 of the Bloom Your Mind podcast. This is a very special episode. It is focused on a tool that has been at the top of my list of topics for you, the top of my list of podcast topics t- to make since the very beginning, more than a year ago when I first started this podcast, I have been saving it for you because I use it all day every day. This tool is a way of thinking that maps onto my areas of expertise in many different ways, my experience in coaching leaders, in life coaching. It applies to design thinking, to writing, to art, and to my areas of expertise in parenting and in having a body. (laughs) Are you an expert at that too? In having relationships, in gardening, in making stuff. Yes, you got it. It's another one of those tools that will just apply to everything. So listen in. I'm excited to share this one with you. It's called Outcomes Before Methods. And I originally learned this way of thinking from a brilliant, brilliant woman named Mimi Gordon, who is now a leadership and productivity coach that I cannot recommend highly enough, even though I actually coach on some of those topics sometimes. (laughs) But I'm one of her biggest fans. She is both hilarious, brilliant, and extremely effective. At everything I've ever seen her do. So check her out if you want any tips on time and project management. Before I get into this topic, I wanted to tell you about a moment I had in both of my Bloom Room groups today, and that has come up in three different conversations this week. So in the Bloom Room, the Bloomies were talking in one group that was just starting out. They're in their second session of the Bloom Room, and they're talking about their life's purpose and their pillars which is how we refer to the five values that are sort of like your most important set of values, the ones you really distinguish that sort of support and hold up your life's purpose. So we were talking about how to kind of weed out the pillars that come from us and the pillars or values that are really integrated into us that really originate from other people. So we ask the question, says who? Where did this come from? Says who? Who taught me this? As we do that work that a lot of times we as human beings don't even ask those questions, don't do that thought work, three different people talked about how they thought something was their own pillar, but it truly came from somewhere else, from some origin source, some other person, some power structure in their life. And this was very important, very poignant to them because they thought that it came from them. They realized they hadn't questioned it before. And in aiming their efforts and their life and really focusing around the value that came from someone else's expectations, they were abandoning themselves. So we talked about redefining our values. So we might choose the same value, the same pillar that we were taught, Maybe we were taught contribution and maybe the individual that we learned it from was very self-sacrificing and maybe was somewhat of a martyr. So they contributed at their own expense and were very public about it. So it was really important that they had a lot of accolades and that everyone saw their contribution. And Maybe that doesn't resonate with us. No matter how well intended that individual was, maybe that definition of contribution being public doesn't resonate with us. We can still choose to have contribution, for instance, as the example, as one of our pillars, but redefine it as whatever space we're inhabiting, we're having a positive effect on it. We're having some positive impact on conversations, on groups, on communities, whether it's seen or not, right? So you understand that we can define things in any way that we want and take them back, take them back for ourselves. And before we do that, if we are living out a value because we think it's expected of us from someone else, the people in the group felt like we were really abandoning ourselves when we do that. The other Bloom Room group is in its second to last session of their Bloom Room experience. They're almost done. And they were talking about the same thing. That group talked about how putting the needs of others first was the same thing they were struggling with at the end of their projects, at the end of the Bloom Room, where they've spent four months working on this stuff. The challenge of the things that life brought to them in the middle of their project, inevitably, like sickness and injuries and love interests (laughs) and work demands and conflict with people and requests for support, all of the things that life brings us, and how those requests. We can have this knee-jerk reaction to just want to answer them and fulfill the needs that are around us, and that that can lead us way off track and away from what we're trying to accomplish and put into the world. We do all of that. We answer the needs of everything around us sometimes to avoid loneliness and to chase connection. But what I see in my clients over and over again is that it actually creates loneliness. And it's actually harder to connect. When we abandon ourselves, it's the loneliest we'll ever be. Let me say that again. Abandoning ourselves is the loneliest we'll ever be. And the reason I bring it to you today is because I've seen it so much lately where we wanna connect. And in order to connect, we abandon ourselves. We want to connect so that we are less alone, but abandoning our own needs. Abandoning our own truths is the loneliest we can ever be. We have to be balanced and take care of ourselves first if we want to show up for others. There are endless ways to do that. And I can share specifics if you want. But for right now, just want to share that quote one more time. That phrase that abandoning ourselves is the loneliest we'll ever be. And leave that for you to just think about. Because it's been really resonating with me all week. That group that is ending the bloom room. They are talking about wanting to stay connected to this community, to the Bloom energy, the concepts, the support. They've talked so much about how they just tap in to so much strength by being a part of the Bloom Room and practicing the things that we teach there. So I'm cooking up a new offering that's more long-term and less intensive, and I am going to share that with you soon. So get excited for that. All right. So have you ever been in the situation where you're trying really hard to do something, and it's not working. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you have. I have many times, all the time. Maybe you're trying and trying to do something and you're just thwarted. Thwarted is not my favorite feeling, by the way. Maybe let's take an example. You're trying and trying to make your relationship better by going to therapy and by talking about and addressing all the feelings that come up that do not feel good for you in an effort to fix them, to not let them go on and tumbleweed but it just seems to be getting worse. Or maybe you're trying to get more work-life balance. So you go into the office early and work a 10-hour day so that you can clear everything off of your to-do list only to find that it's full again. All right, maybe you're trying to lose weight. So you try a keto diet. You start eating all the salami. My kids call salami floppy cookies (laughs) from a book a children's book called Dory Phantasmagory that is so funny, highly recommend it. So maybe you're having all the floppy cookies and cheese on this keto diet and it drops all the pounds off only to find that they pop right back onto you a few months later. Okay, one more. Let's say you're spending more and more time with your children if you have them and just feeling like annoyed, like you're yelling at them the whole time because it's so loud. And they're in your face and there's there's so much stimulation and they're so excited, they're jumping around and you just don't feel like your best self. Can you think of anything in your life like that where you put a lot of effort into it but it's just not working? What is it for you? Okay, hold it in your mind. This thing that I'm teaching you today, this magic tool has only two steps, only two things that you have to do change everything, but it applies to everything. So here's step one. Think of that area that you pulled into your mind. Stop for a moment and think about the outcome that you are trying to create. What is the outcome you want? So in our examples, let's say this this example of the relationship. The reason that we're doing all of this work and therapy and talking about all the things that don't feel good is because we want connection. We want to feel connected in our relationship. Maybe in the work-life balance one, the outcome that we're trying to create by having more balance in our life is more joy, seeing our loved ones more, moving our body and exercising more, feeling like a human being, not a machine. Or losing weight. and Maybe it's just wanting to feel free and light and mobile in our body and not having to think about it anymore. Not having that battle of like losing weight and putting it back on and always thinking about what you're eating. And with the kids, you're looking for connection. Maybe the outcome that we're going for in spending time with them is connection with them, slowing down the to-do list and getting to know them where they are right now in this moment. Spending some quality time with them, building our relationship. All right. So, what is it for you? What is the outcome you're trying to create in this situation where you're putting a lot of effort into it and it's not working? Okay. So, step one was to think of the outcome. Step two is to think of what method is a match for that outcome. So, we're working backwards outcome first. Very simple. And my friends, it will change everything if you start to use it. So in this example of a relationship, we're trying to create connection with our partner by being real, talking about the hard stuff. So we're in the kitchen trying to make dinner and talking about how we're really hurt right now by what our person did. And then that triggers our partner into defense mode, which triggers us into, I knew they were going to act like that which disconnects us and creates the opposite of the outcome that we were going for. In therapy, maybe we're connecting deeply 10% of the time, but the other 90% of the time, maybe it's real hard in that therapy session. Hey, y'all, I'm not saying don't go to therapy. And if the outcome is connection, maybe the method that you go for Would be more effective that would be more effective at achieving that connection would be to go for some long walks where you ask each other big questions about what you think, what matters to you, what you love, who you are right now in life. Maybe giving each other positive feedback, touching each other more, winking at each other and flirting. Maybe that might actually create more connection. Does the method match the outcome? That you want to create. So often we don't even think about it. We just do whatever comes naturally to us. And we try so hard and feel so thwarted that it's not working because we're not taking just a moment to think what do I actually want to have happen here? And is the tool that I'm using for the job right? Am I using a screwdriver when I actually need a hammer? <laughs> so often we're using the wrong tool for what the job needs. And in this love relationship situation example, I shared a couple episodes ago that David Brooks has this wonderful book in which he says that we only actually accurately understand our partners in a marriage 35% of the time or a long term relationship. And that that number goes down and down and down the longer we've been together. So the longer we're with someone, the less accurately we understand them. They just stay fixed in our mind as their old self. So maybe connecting and asking big questions and really working on listening is the best thing we can do. If we align our actions with our intended outcomes, everything becomes easier. We use a hammer for the job of driving in a nail we decide that the outcome we want is for the nail to be actually secure. And so the method we're going to use is to hit it with a hammer. This is called outcomes and methods. Let's apply it to our other examples for fun. All right. Work-life balance. If our example is joy, seeing family more, moving our body more, feeling like a human and not a machine... Maybe getting up at the crack of dawn and going into work for 10 hours is not the right method. It's definitely not going to create any of those things that were our outcome. So maybe when we ask ourselves, what tool is right for this job? What method will create this intended outcome? It would actually be delegating responsibilities, saying no, and developing the skill to say no and turn projects down, creating boundaries in our work schedule saying no to meetings, pushing back on meetings. Those are all methods that would be much more likely to create the outcome of balance than going in early and working long days. What about the losing weight example? If our outcome is to feel mobility and health in our body and not to have to think about it anymore, to leave the the weight battle behind, a crash diet that brings rapid weight loss isn't sustainable. It will alter our system and our metabolism and it will actually most likely end up in a big cycle of dieting and gaining the weight back as we've all experienced or many of us have. Maybe the right method to achieve our outcome is learning to f- to tolerate our feelings so that we don't compulsively eat and eat our feelings instead of feeling them. Hey, we've all been there. All right. We've all been on like the-, the couch eating Oreos when we're bummed. All right. And maybe feeling bummed and learning how to be okay with tolerating and metabolizing and processing our feelings is a better method than the Oreos. Maybe learning to trust ourselves to tell the difference between hunger, sensation, and emotional hunger so that we can make healthy food decisions. So maybe that method is much better to create a long lasting, healthy relationship with food and our bodies. And lastly, the kids example, if we want connection and quality time with them to build our relationship with the kids, maybe in that example, we had, we went to a high stress environment with loud music on. Maybe we went to a really stimulating environment where the kids were bouncing around and driving us crazy. Maybe we hung out with the kids at the end of a long day of work when we didn't actually have all of the energy we needed. So in our example, if the outcome that we want is calm, clear connection, getting quality time, maybe the method to achieve that would be sitting on a blanket on a park, playing a game with them, or taking a hike, or having one-on-one time. What is the tool that will best accomplish the job? Now bring your example back to your mind. You did step one. What is the outcome you're trying to create? Now think for a minute. What's the right tool for that job? Is it what you've been trying? Or is there a different method that would be more effective to create the outcome you want? I recently was planning for my 45th birthday and y'all know I talk about it all the time. I am big on celebration. I think that you should witness your own life. Take time to celebrate it. Take time to celebrate the people that you love. Don't be shy. I'm turning 45. That's a big deal, right? (laughs) It's always a big deal to me. The fives and the tens. Anything. Any reason to celebrate. It's your birthday. Tell me. Because I will have your back. So anyways, I was (laughs) thinking about what I wanted to do for my birthday and I was going to throw a party because i love hosting i love seeing all the people that i love i love any reason to celebrate and i love including others i love being really inclusive i also love live music so i was thinking that i might have my a couple of friends bands some from la some from san diego play in my backyard so that that can also support these musicians and create a beautiful event for the people that i love to experience some music it's my favorite stuff all of a sudden i remembered all of the work that goes into a party <laughs> and i did outcomes and methods and i thought okay if the outcome that i want here is to feel celebrated to be with people i love spending super quality time with people that i love to celebrate the passage of this year and another outcome that i wanted on that list was to feel joy and feel relaxed and to be celebrated but not to do carry it all myself and i looked at the method of the party and i thought oh Right. I'm going to be working for the week leading up to the party and all day long of the party, getting ready for it. I'm going to spend a ton of money on the party. (laughs) I mean, I could do a potluck and stuff, but it's going to, I'm going to spend some money. And I'll probably be running around having lots of connections that night, but not deep one on one connections. Also, not going to feel relaxed and I'm going to do all the work myself or a lot of it. And I thought, wait a minute, that method does not match that outcome. So instead I told my husband, I wanted to go skiing. So he and me and the kids and a couple other families can spend some wonderful deep time together, giggling, making a fire in a hot tub, doing my favorite thing, which is skiing. And then I asked a couple of my best friends and a few different communities, if we could go out to dinner together or have some time together. It ended up in like five birthday celebrations because everyone said yes and took it on, which is so fun. And I feel so celebrated and so happy. And most of all, I did things that connected me to other people and it was a great time for them too. So that's an example of changing my method to fit the outcome I wanted. What is your outcome? What is your method? It's a very simple two-step process. And now it is yours. One last note before I close out is that if you use the model, which is episode 18 that all of you say is your favorite, the tool that changed everything or one of your favorites anyways, this is a shortcut for that. I have a lot of clients that I've worked with for years and years whose shortcut for the model, they do models, they use the whole thing because this isn't a replacement for the model, but it is a shortcut. You can use it in 10 seconds. If you don't want to go through all the steps of the model, this is a way to look at what you want your result to be and work backwards to think what actions are aligned with the result I'm trying to create. And then you can go deeper by saying, How will I need to feel to take those actions? And on the cognitive level, what do I need to think in order to feel that way? Whatever that thought is will become the result that you're trying to create, it will match the result. So, in that way, the shortcut extends to say, if the outcome is outlined, let's say, to have a relaxing and connecting, wonderful birthday then I can think I am going to have a relaxing and connected, wonderful birthday. And if I keep thinking that and feel the feeling of like love and excitement that that brings up in me, I'll be super present. I'll recognize opportunities to relax. I will make decisions like not having a party, but make decisions that are going to help me relax and connect with other people. I'll remember to go slow and listen and take time to connect individually. I'll take all the actions that are aligned with my result that I want to create. The methods match the outcome. The tool matches the job. Two steps, outcomes and methods. And that is what I've got for you this week. Have a beautiful week. And as always, tell me how it goes. I love you all thanks for hanging out with me friends if you like today's episode and you want more of them please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on apple podcasts then send this episode to a friend see you next time